Hello and welcome to another episode of Serpent Temple. Thank you for bearing with us as we took a quick break as we were doing lots of cool busy things. This week we're going to be reviewing the new-ish Hellripper album and talking about our various exploits along the way. So Floyd, how you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. It's been a, it's been a, a bit of a bit of a break, isn't it? Yeah, little yeah. summer holiday for us. Yeah, so went Canada, which was fun. Yeah, I bet. That was good. So tempted to take so many edgy uh, black metal photos when I was standing outside mountaintops and stuff, but um, <laughs> I resisted the urge. Uh, so that was good fun. Um, you guys had a gig recently? We did a gig, yeah. Right. We also went to Berlin as well. Oh, first tattoo? First tattoo, guys. First tattoo, yes. Uh, and uh, I've been to a few gigs as well. So I went to a hardcore one day yesterday, yesterday night, So, um, which was amazing. Um, slowly coming around to the uh, idea of hardcore dancing. That was saying before. But saying that, don't expect me to see, don't expect to see me busting out any spin kicks anytime <laughs> soon because uh, my range of motion won't allow that. But it's, uh, no, it was a great night though. And uh, big up to the uh, Blood Soak style um, posse who are uh, just absolutely killing it in the Southeast scene at the moment. So that was good fun. And yeah, it's been, uh, it's good to get back though, isn't it? It's been uh, just absolutely fucking rampacked our schedules. So it's good to have some time to kind of uh, catch up again. Yeah, it's true. We've been extremely overwhelmed by the, yeah. Uh, yeah, there has not been a free day for a long time, but it's in a good, th- it's a good thing. The gig we played was really, really fun. We played uh, Master of the Riff at Oslo Hackney. So that was a really nice venue to play for the first time. I've got a shout out London Doom Collective. They were so cool about organising the whole thing. It was so lovely. Really, really well organised. And we got like little laminated passes. Oh, we said artist on them because we're artists. That did was you keep really them? Cool. Yes, we oh, did. Nice. Oh, yeah, we got a bottle of Jägermeister, which actually is... Um, Oh, I thought you had it. For some I, thought I, I, thought you was gra- I thought you was grabbing it. Yeah, me too. I was like, wait, don't drink it. Yeah, we put it in our bookcase, but it's got our logo on it. And it's oh, the bottle sick. of Jägermeister. Oh, and it's like cool. all purple. It looks so cool. And yeah, we got to like see some amazing bands. We got to see Panfeist. Um, it was so... He's a Tarek. Yeah, that was like really cool. And like, I'm really weird about food on gig days. I can't eat heavy meals, but I took loads of cucumbers with me to stay hydrated. But I only eat the mini cucumbers because I'm Iranian. It's like a rule. Um, But yeah, I was eating mini cucumbers watching Panfeist and Esoteric, and it was one of the best gig experiences ever. And those bands are like so good as well. But I was managing to stay hydrated whilst being really sad, which is like a very important balance when you're listening to Funeral Doom, in my opinion. I do love cucumbers, or nature's glizzy, as I like to call them. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, esoteric. Great, did he have his little headset on? Yeah. Like that? So sick, he did. Yeah, it was so that. cool, man. Yeah. We're friends on Facebook now. Oh, nice. Shem and Greg. Facebook memories 2023. Speaking of Facebook, fucking shout out to Thomas Corn. Thomas motherfucking Corn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sick. Reached out to us and showed his appreciation for our like Hey Flame episode last year. Lovely guy. Um, yeah, no, just um, hopefully he'll come to London at some point. It'd be cool to catch up and. Mm. hang with him in person wholesome serpent temple moments mm. and he's called it a day isn't he he's uh, no longer drumming anymore is he's retired from drumming so he said he completed drumming <laughs> <laughs> completed it mate yeah. oh yeah in fairness he completed it with the Lycathia like, Flame album in my yeah. opinion that was a fucking monstrous performance what year did that come out was it 90 2000 okay totally got that wrong yeah so pretty much 2000 um so at the turn of the millennium 
So it was an offshoot of their previous project, uh, Paul and Spawn, um, and which also, I mean, the Paul and Spawn album was amazing as well. But like the Lycator like, Flame album was just, it's just so revered in death metal circles. It's really funny because that was the first thing you ever recommended me. Yeah, that, that sounds exactly like me. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, you should check out this uh, album, Elven Efforts by like a few of Flame. Like, Do you like music? Yes, check out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. I remember listening to it on the train home from work being like, oh, yeah, this is interesting. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was great. Yeah, and then, uh, then we went to Berlin um, specifically to get a tattoo because I'm a bit weird like that and I, I'm very specific about my taste in artists. Um, so I got a tribal tattoo in Berlin and it was good. I got it on my shin, which is an unusual starting point, apparently. Yeah, it's looking sick. It's looking good. It well, I've got really, I've got massively hairy legs and it's, it's scabbing. No one would have known if you didn't say it. Well, I haven't shaved for a week because you're not supposed to. And it's like, you can see like... I think there's some like scientific process where like the skin cells are like the white blood cells are absorbing the ink and then like spitting out the scabbing and then that's how the tattoo gets permanent or some shit like that. You would fit in really well with one of the current um, wrestling stables at the moment. I would love that. It's called the Bloodline. It's like Ooh. related to like, the Rocks family. It's like Rowan Reigns and all the um, yeah, but they've all got tribal tattoos. So, Hell yeah, yeah, I'm gonna apply, and I will not get my head kicked in immediately. So this tattoo, it wasn't was it like a traditional needle? It wasn't like the long because you know how you've seen oh, some... like the hand poke. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, um, she used three different tattoo guns, um, and it was drawn freehand, but the middle was printed, and then she she just printed that out on a stencil and stuck that in the middle. But it took like a good hour and a half just to draw this and make it symmetrical and like she used a measuring tape to like get everything right and we had like loads of different ideas so she tried having like another stripe we tried doing it where it was like a little bit more cut but we decided because i have like little legs and short shins we'd lengthen the leg Ah, by making it longer um and you know the basically the brief was like i love calligraphy um and it's based on like persian calligraphy basically and yeah. her style is very much that and there's not really anyone else doing it and it's like a faux pas to go to a tattoo artist and be like can you copy this other person <laughs> so i had to just go there and do it with her and yeah we're going to do more stuff for sure we're going to work together more i'm going to get the other shin done to match we just didn't have time yeah. this was like six solid hours um she used like a little tattoo gun to do the outline which was like really okay it was just like dots dotted around it's all it's all dot work so it's not like solid black, it's actually dot work. And then the, the smaller ones are made with like slightly, it was a different gun. So there was like, I, I think there was like maybe more space between the time the needle hit the skin. So it's like more dotty and a little bit fadier. But it's going to fade a little bit and it'll be more like textured Yeah. when that happens. But it was really fun. Like I, there were times where it felt like I was being massaged. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it, how so many people have got entirely different perspectives on like the pain threshold or the pain level a tattoo actually yeah because it's like some people have said oh yeah it's like the worst pain imaginable and other people have said no i love it it's like really relaxing i I really enjoyed the process like it's kind of like to me it was definitely a coming of age thing like in a lot of cultures like getting a tattoo means you're an adult and i guess for me it was like a having the money to do it b going somewhere and doing it was like definitely like a it was like a special psychological thing for me even though it's not really that big a deal the only bit that hurt was the knee ditch which was like like here there's like it goes right into the behind your knee and that bit hurt that was the only bit that really like had me kind of grimacing yeah it's funny because um i was so dead sure what i wanted as a tattoo yeah i'm a a tattoo virgin's never had one (laughs) but like 
I was absolutely hell bent on the idea of getting like a biomechanical sleeve. Yeah. And so I just had this realization that like every bald guy that's into metal gets a biomechanical <laughs> sleeve at some point. So I'm just thinking like, now nah, I will not fall into that cliche. Do it. So uh, you'd, you'd rock if it you though. To, you should do it. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, but uh, it's but it's the contrarian in me now. I just now now that I've seen loads of people have it, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, but it would look sicker on you than most people. Yeah, you've got like the right shape oh. to go so, by a mech. So. Oh, the bloodline, they've all got the same fucking tattoo and they look sick. That's true, actually. Yeah, <laughs> and you could you could have it like go onto one of your pecs as well, oh. like the rock. That would look sick. I do like actually that. like the way how that looks. I, I like how it bleeds sick into look. that part. It is good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, cool and it doesn't hurt as much on the arms as, as and well. And it's funny, I've always said as well, and this would be a good segue. Well, not now because I've explained it's going to be a segue, <laughs> so that ruins it. <laughs> but... um. Part of my sleeve, I always wanted to have um, the old school enslaved logo worked into there somewhere. Nice. And obviously, they've just been announced uh, for, for Damnation. Damnation. So yeah. they're playing their. Oh, that would have been a really good segue. I know, I should have <laughs> <fucking> just. <laughs> Cut out the bit where I talked about there being a segue. <laughs> but, but it's. Um, so they've been announced to play in their debut album, which I'm not going to try and pronounce because I'm not going to butcher it like I do every other. Um, that's, the, that's the one. <laughs> that was mild racism for which we apologise to all of Scandinavia. <laughs> But, so they'll be playing that album in full, and um, and that's Electric Wizard just been announced as well. Fuck so yes. Damnation is looking fucking stacked, and that's on top of uh, Akakoka playing Karonzin on the Friday. Um, they've also announced Dead Guy, so like legendary like mathcore slash metalcore like proto like legends. So they'll be playing their album uh, Fixation on the Coworker in full, mm. which is I've not thought about or even listen to that album in years and years i remember seeing it on forums back in the days people talking about how it was like a real influence on bands like botch and converge but like yeah see i didn't think i didn't realize dead guys existed because i thought it was ed guy (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh there's just one band with that naming sound sounding name ed guy so i was like well who's dead guy (laughs) ed guy is a band yeah ed guy is a band tobias samet's band uh, yeah yeah, from also of avantasia yeah that would be a weird booking for damnation (laughs) just fucking because i was like wait that's a really weird name for an ed guy album album oh shem ed guy i've got the worst album covers there's one go into their metallum page there's (laughs) you've got to see this you've got to see this which album is it There's one album in particular. If you get up their discography, I'll be able to tell you which one it was. Is it Space something, I think? Around about 2013, it was released. Wow, they've got a lot. I knew they'd have a lot. Uh, Age of the Joker, uh, Space Police. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. How is that bad? That's amazing. Oh, my God. It's like if he dropped the if he dropped a tab of acids, if he spiked the guy (laughs) that does the Megadeth album covers, that's kind of what it looks like. His glasses look like bad filler. It looks like he's got horrific cheekbones. Poor guy. Yeah, so that's Ed Guy for you. Wow, it's got a cover of Rock Me Amadeus. But they're cop sympathizers. (laughs) They're great. They're just like fucking just unabashed cheesy power metal. Yeah. Tobias is a G. I like his vocals. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, that's so that was what I thought Damnation announced for a good 10 seconds. <laughs> that's understandable, to be fair. Yeah. Well, I like that one. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good album cover. Yeah, they're great. They went a bit more serious for that one. 
And then uh, who else is playing? Judge, a plethora of bands. You've got Ahab, Rotten Sound, um, and now Nathrak were announced. So it's just, that's going to be a fucking absolutely uh, monumental. It's a um, belter. And I think it seems like Gav and crew are gearing towards it being more of a two-day event now. Yeah, I hope so. Because the first night was always, well, like the, 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 pre, the, the pre-headline, <laughs> pre-come uh, day, the Friday, was always just like, kind of like, you know, just very much just a, a warm-up show but like um the last few years they've kind of really been um pushing the whole night of salvation um day and i think it's looking like far more stacked than it has in previous years and it's yeah i'm in raw yeah yeah so that's the uk exclusive show for the year i've got to say regarding akakok i don't know if you've guys you guys have seen but earache are doing um like kind of a crowdfunder to to get coronzon pressed on vinyl however the band will not see any of that money. Oh, okay. So um, the band have like very discreetly posted about this because obviously they can't name Eric because Eric are famed for kind of not being particularly nice to bands, especially ones who've been on their roster, um, saying, you know, don't don't give money to this because it would be amazing to have Korans on, on vinyl. But yeah, like it's, I don't think it's right. Basically, Earache own the rights to their old music, so they yeah. can't they can't press it themselves. Uh, yeah, I remember the whole drama of Napalm Death and yeah, yeah, just other bands as well. Yeah, it's is it still Digby Pearson that's running it's the Earache? Still Digby, oh, no, still going to my knowledge anyway. Yeah. Cool, I, I don't know anyone who's on the Earache now. I, it's been a while since I've paid attention to the Earache roster. Isn't it all like butt rock now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they yeah, basically kind of make a yeah, lot of yeah. money off the old the old bands that used to be on them. But yeah, I just. Mm, yeah, don't sign to Earache if you want to have a long and illustrious career, I'd say. Buck Cherry. <laughs> Butt Rock Cherry. Fuck off. They've got a band called Fuck It. <laughs> F-U-K-K-I-T. Wait, Butt Cherry on Earache? Buck Cherry. Butt Cherry. They should do a butt plug. Black Star Riders, Buck Cherry. Double. That's Benji from Skindred's other band. Double even still a thing. I don't know. Oh, no, they reformed. Oh, did they? Yeah, that's they right. They probably to Eric when they reformed. Oh, okay. They've got SoundCloud rappers. By them. Massive wagons. I love that guy's T-shirt in this picture. His big dick is back in town. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get those. Where are they uh, impressed yeah. pictures? It's so funny. That's, that's amazing. Mad. Wait, Skindred as well? Yeah, yeah I guess uh, Benji's tight uh, with them. Well, we're never going to get signed to Eric, no, so... Tala. Tala. Oh, that's... that's um, um, What's the name? Portnoy, Portnoy, yeah. Portnoy's Sons Band. And it's got like the YouTuber that done all the vocal covers doing vocals. They're oh, like. Oh, Vector. Oh, Vector. Well, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, dear. Oh, God, Vector, yeah. Travis Meadows. Who's that? No idea. I just saw his name. <laughs> it's got a good it's name, a, though. It's got a nice hat. Yeah, I love his hat. What a face. Yeah. A face that's seen many things. <laughs> Uncle Buzzy. Uncle Buzzy. Is that like a, a new word for... Uh, Travis Meadows, self-released killing Uncle Buzzy. <laughs> a raw masterpiece that left listeners, listeners stunned. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not mocking Travis Meadows. I don't want to mock him, but Buzzy just sounds like Bussy. Travis Meadows looks, <laughs> Travis Meadows looks cool as shit. Hey, yeah. Chad energy. Yeah. yeah, man. He definitely like... Yeah, he's got energy. Speaking anyway. of like singer-songwriters, I saw a... Um, it's a good thread on, I think it was started by Metal Injection actually on Twitter. And it was like, um, I had like a picture of Squidward from SpongeBob looking like really like aghast. And it was just like, oh, what album leaves you with that kind of like oh. reaction? 
and it was like people just leaving like the most depressingly sad albums and it was uh, one of them was that album i think i talked to you guys about that mount erie a crow looked to me to tell you about that yeah you tell me about that oh, it sounds fucking... i can never listen oh, to it's, that it's bleak no. as fuck it's basically the album's about like it's it's a guy he's a singer songwriter and he used to be in the band with um um his partner who's this canadian um oh, artist yeah, she died, and they had a, they had a young child when she died, and the, oh and the album, gosh. and the album is just him, just like really bluntly, just talking about how he feels, and like the first song's about him getting a package, which is a school bag that she ordered before she died for the kid. It's just fucking, it's so bleak. It was recorded mostly using her instruments. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. If you ever really, really want to depress yourself, that's the album to listen to. But anyway, I was just trolling down the uh, trolling down the list and just seeing um all the albums people were leaving and. Um, just making notes for what to listen to when I was feeling really melancholic. Mm. But yeah. But yeah, speaking of um <laughs> earache and old labels, um Peaceville released a new album recently. Yeah. Which is the album we're reviewing today, which is Hell Rippers. Um <laughs> You um, forgot the title. No, I do it too. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot the title. Withered <laughs> Grim. No, got Grim Warlocks and Withered Hags. Well, I thought it was Warlocks Grim and Withered Hags. It's Grim Warlocks. Shit. With the tags. See, on my Metal Archives, the title track is Warlocks Grim and with the tags. Oh, yeah, Maybe you're right. it's the other way around. I the think title. you're right. Let me double check. So I have written this down. <laughs> and it is. No, yeah, you're right. Oh, well. Well, it is Warlocks Grim and with the tags by Hell Ripper, which is James McBain. It is indeed. This is their second album on Peaceful, and um, I think for a lot of people, this album would have come out of left field a little bit, because this is, I wouldn't say a big departure in sound, but it's definitely an evolution of sound, mm. much in the same way. Like, I can't help but, like, draw comparisons to Quarathon and Bathory when I see, like, the trajectory of this uh, project. Well, one, because it's both kind of like a one-man project kind of thing, mm. because, like, the previous Hellripper albums, like, all had, like, you know, they've got that same kind of, like, black and speed traditional elements, and I feel like this is very much, like, the jump up in, in like, change up in styles and just him really diversifying what he's presenting to the table. And it's a fantastic album. It's really fucking good. Like, it, it took you by surprise a bit, didn't it? Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, it's a one-man project. I had a very, like, preconceived notion of what it was going to sound like, and it's it's completely, yeah, shot me out of left field. Yeah, it's just so fucking good. Like, it's, like, equal parts, like black and thrash you know like trad speed um i've been listening to a lot of iron maiden recently um so i'm just wanted to listen to their entire discography just to see what i was missing after never being a big iron maiden fan so i'm, I'm on like album like 16 now i think oh or like well, 14 i think so i'm nearly done <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, there's definitely like some moments on here where you know like the dual like the dual lead melodies and the twin guitar leads are just absolutely like you know like the best parts of iron maiden like worked into this intrinsic and fucking caustic blend of just loads of different styles but what i like about this album is it takes the fun elements of all those styles yeah it's not boring at any point no no yeah. there's not a single moment on this album that isn't fucking fun to listen to yeah like zero filler zero yeah all, no filler or killer yes. as they say which i delivered beautifully yeah. um <laughs> i really yeah I, I totally agree with you on that it's a it's a really fun album like i listen usually when i listen to well not usually sometimes i listen to an album for this and it's like it's a bit of a chore and i have to go back a few times and like make sure i remember what i've heard but this one i just like immediately managed to put it on again and just blasted through it it's really fun and it's 
perfect length, 43 minutes, one side of vinyl. Well, one vinyl. Um, and yeah, like I, what I really enjoyed about this is that like James was definitely going like the Scottish route. He wasn't trying to be all like Scandinavian, even though we're in the Isles, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really love like learning about the culture of the person who's making the music, which I really enjoyed. And like, I was reading about reading about the lyrics, which I always do when I listen to an album, because that's how I often do listen to an album. And I really like that. You know, there's like, um, there's a whole song that's about Macbeth, which is so sick. Um, like, which one was it? Fuck, I've already forgotten. I wrote it down. It's really good. There's like loads of low key Shakespeare references, which I always enjoy when you feel like you've kind of like cracked a little code in the in the album. Yeah. Um, and there's like, I really like the first song as well, the Knuckle V, which I'm probably not pronouncing properly, but it's about like a horse like demon from Orcadian folklore. Yeah. Um, that it's like a it's a horse human thing. And apparently, according to like a British folklorist called Catherine Briggs, it's the nastiest of all the demons of Scotland's Northern Isles. So its breath was thought to wilt crops and sicken livestock, and it was held responsible for droughts and epidemics. Um, but it was predominantly a sea dweller that would occasionally venture on land, which is amazing. Like, there's a, a picture of it on Wikipedia, which is where I do all my research. That's like really kind of brutal and sick looking, and it's like scary and nice. So yeah, I mean, there's some weird fairy art that Shem's just pulled up, which is a little bit weird, but. It's cool. And, you know, I think you're 100% right. It's great to see some representation for folklore that is that isn't, you know, pretty underrepresented in the scene. Yeah. Like, you know, you get a lot of like, there's a lot of Irish bands on the scene at the moment that do a lot of, you know, a lot of like kind of Gaelic or like Celtic folklore. Mm. Um, but like, you know, like Orcadian folklore, I mean, like, you know, like the Orkney Islands are so small and like, you know, they're so like sparsely populated as well. So it's great to hear something from, you know, especially with my parents being from Scotland. I yeah. mean, like, you know, like that part of Scotland is so far north that it makes where my parents are from like fucking Cornwall. So, <laughs> but it's, um, that's great. It's just, and you know, and I think even the subtle um, inclusion of like the bagpipes on the, on the title I track. I loved the third track. that. That was so cool. So fucking good. I and couldn't tell just... if it was like a guitar effect or if it was like part of the twin leads creating a new sound. Like it was really difficult for me to pick out, but I was like, this sounds like bagpipes. And that's why it was so cool because like, you know, the amount of times you hear bagpipes and like a, in, on, it's normally with like the more cheesier kind of like folky bands mm. and it always sounds really like kind of so ham fisted. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like this was just like, and like we said, it was just, like all of a sudden I'm just like, wait a minute, it didn't sound too much like a guitar. So like, fuck, they're bagpipes. And yeah. it sounded so fucking like natural and like yeah. well like meshed with the song that it just totally lended to like the authenticity of the track. Totally. I feel like also when some of the scales I'm guessing he was playing maybe lent itself to that kind of music. It was like maybe similar to some of the things that you play on a bagpipe. I don't know. Not an expert, but no. I thought that was the case. I felt callbacks. Also the Macbeth track is the second track, I the Deceiver, which it should have been obvious because um, yeah there's loads of references to like the knife this is a knife I see before me and like the three witches and also bogles which is fun because like that's uh, in Magic the Gathering it's like a frog deck oh really yeah uh, cool. it's a cute little frog it's um, I will say Macbeth is probably in my opinion one of Shakespeare's best works so it's the one of the ones that I enjoyed the most we have this thing that where like you would have had this as well right where you, you grow up in like the English school system, and I feel like Shakespeare is so rammed down your throat, and they do it wrong. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, and it's weird, isn't it? Because like, I don't ever remember being taken to see any of the any of them in production. It was just all about reading the screenplays and studying the screenplays. You can't understand a play if you're just reading it. Yeah, and yeah. it was just like, so how am I supposed to write such? You know, how am I supposed to articulate and you know dissect 
a screenplay when I haven't even seen it in 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 the method that was intended to be, you know, like performed in. I did it at A level in uni. I love Hamlet. That's my favorite um, Shakespeare. Hamlet's good. Hamlet's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. And my second favorite is Titus Andronicus, which is like so violent. Yeah. No. Not 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 read or seen that one. There's literally like people get dismembered and raped and like there's so much killing and blood. It's it's like there's a film of Anthony Hopkins. Oh wow. Yeah. It's like it's so horrible, but it's a great play. It's like I think it was they did a production of it a few years ago, but I can't afford to go to the theater here. Yeah. But when I was at uni, we did go and see it the globe um we saw richard one of the richard well, one was a faust and he's like fucking and and like you know shakespeare is so dirty there's so many dick jokes like romeo yeah. and juliet is, is full of like everyone's calling tybalt gay yeah and like you know Romeo slowly becomes very feminine there's like there's really interesting stuff in throughout all of shakespeare's works about everything it's fascinating like where he got all this stuff from and a lot of it is callbacks to like ancient literature as well obviously greeks but then that came from babylonian mesopotamian and egyptian and all that stuff it's great it's fun uh, is what i'm trying to say but they do do it very badly here i yeah. did not like the education i got even at uni about shakespeare yeah i think i've just remembered i did go to see a production of hamlet in a levels yeah but the reason why i don't remember i didn't remember it is because the opening line when he says most pernicious woman his voice cracked on pernicious <laughs> And 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 me and my friend Chris just couldn't recover. That was just it. For the, the rest of the the rest of the two hour performance was just us trying not to lose our minds. Amazing. Because just yeah, just still haven't matured. Still find voice cracking and voice good voice crack. People fucking up their words as hilarious as ever. I don't think that's a sign of immaturity. I think it's a sign of strength. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All the Akakoka fans out there. No, yeah. Back to the Hellrapper album. So yeah, there's some real moments on here that really. Um, Shine, I want to give a bit of a shout out to the last track on the album, which I think was uh, an exercise in Mr. epicness. So, Mr. Store Worm. Yeah, I love the word which, store. Yeah, store. Store. What does that mean? Like stout. Why is that? Store maybe meant shit. Oh, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. No, maybe I'm just thinking of stool. <laughs> <Don't. laughs> the, the, the shit dragon. Store. Don't know. <laughs> the stool dragon. Store. No, I don't know. I'll ask my mum. Maybe Stour, Dower, I don't know. I like when he says Kirkyard, because I'm like, I know that from Shakespeare, that that means Churchyard. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. But just absolutely, there's, there's some, because the thing is, he, this is a one-man project, but I have to say, it doesn't sound like a one-man project. Honestly, like, doesn't. And they play live, so I'm assuming it's not just him doing everything in one go. No, and live, yeah, he's got like a few session musicians with him, like live musicians, and they are fucking fantastic live. Can oh I just say, God. I've seen him multiple times, and it is just like absolutely rip roaring like i remember when they played damnation a couple of years back there was like this older guy um in the pit who's maybe like maybe late 50s and he was just he looked so excited and he was just like it's like it's like watching metallica during the kill em all years oh, like he was so just sweet he was just so i obviously never heard them before and didn't know what to expect oh. because like they, that's the thing what i like about them they do a really good job uh that, I mean, even in the previous albums which are a lot more traditional than this album like i have to say mm. but they're still really really good and one thing they he, they've always done a really good job of is um presenting a sound that is um quite traditional in the scene and you know it's been around for a while but it still sounds really contemporary and fresh and like in the actual like structure of the songs and the musicianship wow easy for me to say like <laughs> me 
is just so impressive and stellar that it's just like the, the music's just really fucking good yeah and i feel like this album has just really catapulted it to a new level because i feel like there's so much more dynamics on this album and varieties and sounds mm. and you know like a bit more experimentation and uh like i was saying about the last track um mester store mester store worm it's just so it's got so many cool bits like it starts off really atmospheric with like a kind of a layered doomy riff there's some great use of like synth in this album as well like it's just yeah at times it sounds really kind of like bombastic almost like kind of like symphonic like traditional second wave symphonic black metal but like it's just done really tastefully and all interwoven so well into like the other components of the album like some of the thrashier parts in this album like i think um yeah it's a title track uh, so Warlock's Grim and Withered Hags, like five minutes, 22 seconds in, it's just got an absolutely like filthy thrash riff, like just so fucking like just groovy. And and it's like, I can't wait to see some of these tracks perform live because Same. I think it's going to be, you Blistering. know, yeah. Yeah, I really love the scream at the beginning of The Cursed Carrion Crown. It's like very Angel of Death. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like proper Tom Araya style, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is this is good. Like, sometimes people do it and you're like, oh, you're just trying to be like Sarah. But I was like, it works. Yeah. yeah. It's just the whole album is so energetic. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like, I, can't, I don't know what he's going to do next. Like, what do you do after this? Yeah, no. And, it's, and the thing is, you know, I suppose that's why I keep drawing comparisons to someone like a Quarathon, who's probably the most one of the more revered, you know, one man projects artists out there, especially with how influential he's seen in the scene. You know, I, th- I feel like that that James has probably got the skill to kind of take on whichever style he sees fit in the future, whether or not he wants to go back to more of a traditional kind of like black and speed style or continue on with the experimentation. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's that skilled a musician that whatever he chooses to do will probably end up it. being, you know, great anyway. Yeah, I'd love to have him on here and pick his brains. No, yeah, no, that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be very cool if he's watching. Please come on. Um, yeah, that was it was a good album. I think this will make loads of end of year lists. Oh, 100 yeah. percent. I'd be very, very surprised to not see this on most like critics' end of year lists. Totally, and they have great merch as well. Yeah, yeah, it's really good merch actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's like I love it when a band has really like music that's such a high level and also really good curation with the merch and like. Like, because I think a lot of musicians they'll make an amazing album, but they don't promote it properly. Yeah. Or they won't like do some of the other stuff when it comes to being in a band, which is like having really good, well-made merch. Because it's there's no point having loads of shirts if they're all kind of like I'm not going to name a name, but we saw a band play. We played with a band, and they had like they were a really really big band as well. So it's not like I'm going to throw them under the bus and never going to see this. But they had like six or seven shirts which was just their logo in different colors and that was it that was the shirt yeah and like why would you pay to if someone's gonna like if someone loves you that much and they're gonna pay 20 pound for a shirt it should be a good shirt you know and like it's just nice to have fun merch that like really represents you and hellripper do that really well yeah that merch is actually really good and it's like and you know i think people that have been part of the scene for a while then when you go to gigs like you tend to get quite picky towards merch totally yeah. like especially when you've got so much of it like you you can't really afford to spend i mean just can't really afford to buy much in the first place but (laughs) to spend money on something that isn't you know like uh, also a design that you also happen to really like yeah um it's interesting like i'm guessing you were seeing a lot of the debate around oh the um, the merch cuts from the venues yeah we've had to we're going i can't say anything yeah i can't i can't say um but yeah no yes that is controversial and i i think it is you know much the venues are making a lot of money already the promoters already making a lot of money the band is seeing like very little of that money so 
let us sell our merch. I don't know who it was. It was somebody on Twitter. It was a musician turned around and said, so when are bands going to start to get a percentage of the bar take? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in some places they do do that. Really? I think in Europe. Damn. I think, um, you know, sometimes they'll give you a little bit of um, of like the money from the bar. And I think if, if you do really well, because think of how much they're making. It's like £10 a pint in some venues or, you know, seven or eight in London. Damn. And everyone who comes to see you buys usually at least one beer per average, maybe three. That's like 30 quid per person yeah. on the beer alone. I feel like some compromise has got to be reached here because, like, whereas I do understand that, you know, the venues have had it particularly tough since the pandemic as well. Yeah. And they've got, you know, things to cover, like overheads and stuff. But at the same time, like, you know, you're running the risk of killing live music dead in its tracks because, like, bands are not going to be able to afford to play any of the bigger venues. And then there's going to be some alternatives coming out of it. And then those venues are going to be left in the dust because, yeah. you know, that's what happens. That's what happened to... um when music turned digital, like people for the longest time stopped buying things like CDs and, you know, and vinyl nearly died before its resurgence because it's just like, well, you know, it just like people don't have as much expendable income as, as these places like to think. And I think merch as well is one of the most important things a fan can buy from a band because yeah. that's like they're advertising you as a band. They're like, they're going out into the world wearing your shirt being like, this band rocks. And I'm like, they rock so hard. I'm wearing their logo on my body. And like that is that is an endorsement from a person that like and that's a big deal in my opinion. Um, and the thing is with like a lot of the venues that are doing the merch cuts are the bigger venues and those venues that tend to be owned by people who don't give a fuck about the music business. All they yeah. care about is profit. Like in the smaller venues, the ones that like really put on the great underground shows, they don't really ever do that. And I think if they did, people wouldn't play them as much. And yeah. like, you know, that is bringing them income. Whereas with, with like the bigger arenas, the bigger venues, they're all owned by like conglomerations who don't give a fuck about people. You know, yeah. if, if those those venues stop, like they, they can't afford to run those venues anymore, they'll just sell them as property, turn them into flat or whatever which still benefits them yeah yeah it's true true yeah i don't know that's my very depressing take <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's like i think like you know you might even see some bands at venues just like have like a qr code set up and yeah. say like this would just be a direct link to where's best to buy our merch and you could purchase it here right now and then it'll be with you in a few days yeah i mean like online shopping's already online retail's already killing most other retail outlets so i mean it's just gonna go that way i feel like unless some compromise or some some, some someone somewhere meets in the middle with all this it's true i think there are some like really great alternative markets now in london where you can go and you can buy like really specific weird stuff that you wouldn't be able to buy on a high street but then again like that's only if you live in a big city do you remember those metal militia shops they used to be one in I camden love, i bought one my of... first metal shirt from there did you really i bought my sugar shirt yeah was it the uh, oxford street one was it the camden camden, one? camden of course one? yeah it yeah, used to be one at the end of oxford street of yeah, all places so like on the way there. from like work i'd sometimes go in and just buy a set shirt <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I loved it in there. It was really expensive. It was like 30 quid for a hoodie. Yeah. Yeah, which back then, with inflation. Yeah, I got some, I got like a Nasum shirt there, an Incision one. I got some great like underground shirts from that place. I got a Meshuggah shirt, the Obzen one, and I got, I think, a hoodie. I think I got a Nightmare Before Christmas shirt from there oh, as nice. well. Yeah, I was like very young, forgive no. me. Yeah. No, good times. Very good times. Simpler times. Yeah, no, but back to Hell Ripper. Great job. Fantastic album. 10 out of 10. Um, and don't need to hear that from us because everyone else is already talking about how good it is as <laughs> We're well. We're a bit so, late. We were yeah. going to review it like three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Then life happens. Life finds a way. It yeah. does indeed. What should we review next? Um, feel free to recommend us some albums and we'll look into it. Yeah, no, indeed. Yeah. Feel free to email us, uh, Serpent Temple 
uh, email is in the description. I don't know which one <laughs> oh, it nice. is. But you can literally like you can email us, ask for advice, ask for any relationship advice, band advice, human being advice, or just tell us a story and we'll read it out on the podcast. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, so feel free to like and subscribe so we can keep going. And uh, thank you for listening and or watching. Until next time. Au revoir. Nice.